Welcome to the one within all to another live episode of Interverse Podcast. I am your host, Chance. And as the Leo season is reaching its fiery climax, we move towards what is often called the most health conscious sign of the zodiac, Virgo. Meaning right now is a perfect time to make a significant exploration into the convergence between astrology and health. This arcane knowledge known by occultists since at least the time of medieval artists depicting the Zodiac Man, works on the association of each of the 12 signs and their corresponding houses, and their relation with specific parts of the body. Using this knowledge, one can theoretically get ahead of the game when it comes to life's inevitable dissonant bodily experiences. I've heard it said before that we're only as sick as our secrets, and from what I've learned working on people's biofield energy, this statement definitely holds up as the most malefic, stagnant chi in someone's psychic architecture tends to lurk below the level of consciousness, as do some of the pitfalls that we might run into through our particular zodiacal constellation and configuration. Although it's my hope that most of us in the Interverse family have learned to avoid the dangers of the mainstream health model, what I do know about doctor visits is that most people are prone to stay in denial about their health's degeneration until the wheels start to fall off and they're forced to act. This is one area that I see great value in the idea of medical astrology, since the information we may glean from this health-centric approach to our horoscope could help tip the scales in favor of taking action for one's betterment before things get too bad. And that's where our guest for tonight comes into the picture. A few months ago, I met Dominique Cordivari as a tuning client and was so intrigued by her passion for empowerment through astrology that I knew we had to get her on a podcast to learn more. In addition to coaching through her website, epiastrology.com, Dominique also employs homeopathic strategies and the subtle energies of gemstones of specific shapes and qualities that are determined through natal chart analysis. I'm excited to discuss all this and more, and so it's high time we get into it. Check the show notes for links to Dominique's website, epiastrology.com, and all the ways you can support this podcast or get yourself tuned by yours truly. 
So now let's get this party started and everyone send out your psychic loving welcomes to our guest, the epigenetrics of star inspired life strategies and crystalline innovator, Dominique, AKA D welcome to Interverse, And thank you for being here. Thank you so much chance for the wonderful introduction. I'm so happy to be here tonight with you and with everyone watching. Yeah, me too. I've been looking forward to this one since we met. One thing I wanted to throw your way, um, I was considering your last name. How do you pronounce it? Cordivari. I know it Cordivari. sounds like Cordivari, but... <laughs> so I looked into it a little bit, and I think it pertains to the Phoen- the Phoenician cards to ba, which is Ooh. because the T and the D interchange and, you know, B and V interchange. So this means good town. But what also could be meant by uh, this name in the Phoenician would be Corteb, which is an oil press, which is interesting because in Latin, cord relates to the heart and vari means strong. So <laughs> cordivari wow. could mean strong heart. And we're talking about the heart. Leo is the sign for that. Leo and oil are anagrams for each other. And this Phoenician word corteb means oil press. So there's a lot oh. of cool stuff uh, embedded in that last name that makes this a perfect time to be having this conversation. That is loaded. I appreciate the insight for sure. My pleasure. So why don't you introduce yourself and how you got into being the epi astrologer that you are? Sure. So um, my name is Dominique. I consider myself a fractal of source consciousness, and I'm the owner and founder of Epi Astrology LLC. I kind of coined the term from a mix of epigenetics with astrology. I just started to learn a lot about crystals, and at first I wasn't even the most into astrology. I started out like really involved with traditional Christianity. And I grew up thinking, you know, astrology is evil. There's something wrong with it. I should never dive into it. But the more I started to dive into it, I realized this isn't evil at all. This is a part of creation, just reflecting, you know, that as above, so below. And there are plenty of ways in which astrology can be helpful to people. So um, really what I do, as Chance introduced, is I coach people and I give them specific prescriptions of gems and homeopathic remedies based on what I see when I read their medical astrology chart. That is a great introduction. So why don't we maybe just jump in? You did a really awesome preparation, gave me a cool outline. I think it would be great to dive into some of what you've got in store to teach us about tonight. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, So, I mean, I think a good place to start is really just like what is medical astrology and how does it differ from regular astrology? So regular astrology is pretty much, in my opinion, just the study of the stars. You know, it's been around, like you said, for so long. I mean, the ancients were familiar with it and medical astrology is just kind of putting a more health conscious twist on it. You know, like each of the planetary bodies, each of the celestial bodies has rulership over one or more specific areas of health. So the traditional definition that I actually have written down here to read to you guys tonight, medical astrology is an ancient applied branch of astrology based mostly on melesthesia, the association of various parts of the body, diseases, and drugs with the nature of the sun, moon, planets, and the 12 astrological signs. So I see medical astrology as a science, but I also see it as an art. Um, because I'm very intuitive, like my name actually resonates with intuition. So I'm always incorporating intuition into this as well. 
Very good. Yeah, I think this is an area that I haven't dove into very much other than that there's a correlation between certain signs and certain body parts. But maybe you would like to give us a few examples of what somebody's what what certain signs have to do with what types of body parts we already alluded to Leo in the heart, which is perfect because that's what season it is right now. Absolutely. So we could just pretty much go down the body. Um, so we always start with Aries. It's the first sign of the zodiac. Aries is the head. Um, then we get into Taurus. Taurus is the neck. And these are just more like broad descriptions. Gemini is the shoulders, the arms and the hands. Um, cancer is kind of like the breast, but also to a certain extent, the womb and the spleen. Um, kind of the stomach, people say. I also see Virgo to a certain extent with the stomach. Um, Leo is the heart, also the back. Virgo is like the small intestine and to some extent the stomach, in my opinion. Um, Libra is the kidneys. Scorpio is the reproductive organs in the lower bowels. Um, Then we get into Sagittarius. That's the hips and the thighs. Also somewhat the liver and the autonomic nervous system. Then we get into Capricorn. That's the knees. Aquarius is the calves, which fits really well with the fact that it also rules the circulation. And then Pisces is the feet and the lymphatic system. Yeah, that's a really good breakdown. One of the ways that I think about cancer is that it's like the whole torso. It's the shell that everything. I like that. Yeah. Now, what's cool about this is in my practice with biofield tuning, I've actually had the opportunity to see some of these correlations come to life in a way that Mm -hmm. indicates to me that there was not just an arbitrary assignment of this with this, but that there were there's a reason that the year starts at the vernal equinox and that that has to do with the head. So an example of what I'm talking about would be, I've started to repeatedly run into people with challenges in their life that have to do with authority, where maybe Mm -hmm. their authority views is compromising their life in some way. Obviously I don't have any faith or trust in false authority systems of the world. And Mm -hmm. no man has authority over other men. Truly there's, natural hierarchies, natural authorities, there's parent-child relationships, all that's real. But in the case of people with big authority issues, I've noticed a consistent challenge or pain or injury in the knees that has come up repeatedly with clients. And the knees are Capricorn. Yeah, Capricorn is the authority. Yep. I've even seen it go so far as um, once somebody had let uh, like a a mysterious lead poisoning issue court and they had knee problems. So even the metals attribution might have some actual literal tangible truth with it. You know, be careful Absolutely. about your issues with Saturn. You might get lead poisoning. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I have in my own chart to speak to that. I have a Mars opposition Saturn and, you know, Saturn kind of restricts and Mars rules iron. And I've dealt with anemia for years. It's just in my chart, you know, so if I'm not on top of it, that can show up. Well, that is a really good example. Now, yeah, Capricorn is also skeletal. That is true, Rachel. It's kind of the whole bone structure. Yep. Very good. Yeah, we have, this is a great, (laughs) we might be given um, some recap for our audience here who is more or less just legendary, brilliant researchers themselves. But I think it would be fun to dive deeper into what your big three signs are. So that we can kind sure. of get more of a feel for you. Okay, so my sun is in Sagittarius, my moon is in Aquarius, and my rising is in Taurus. 
And I also want to mention my part of fortune and part of spirit, because I know they're not typically in the big three, but they are way more important than I feel like they're ever given credit for. So my part of fortune is in cancer. Kind of like to the ascendant, what the moon is to the sun. So that's in cancer. And then part of spirit is almost like the sun in a sense, but it's like consciousness and what's important to you. That is in Pisces. So kind of a mix of those five. Cool. I haven't really looked into those particular parts of it yet. So let's go further into uh, some of your notes that you're here to teach us about. You have some elements about the, yeah, I'll just let you take it from here. Go for it. Absolutely. Um, So I think it would be good to start with just a general like view of health itself and like how medical astrology begins to tie into that. So I'm sure you've realized this, you know, working with health all the time and doing your tuning. One size doesn't always fit all. And a lot of times with detox, like traditionally, I was like going to just do regular health coaching. That's what these are for. Like I went and got my health coaching certification. I was just going to do like detox and stuff. But then I realized like, okay, like why is this working for this individual and not necessarily this person? Um, I began to realize it's because of their chart. You know, every person's makeup and what they need is literally so different. So Whereas one individual may benefit from a fast, which is very Saturnian, another person might have weak adrenal glands and the fasting might stress them out so bad to where they actually might need something more Venus related, like massage or something calming. So really knowing the chart and looking into the chart allows me and other medical astrologers so much insight into what it is that specific person needs and how we can best help them. That is so cool. One of the things I'd like to say about the whole mind, body, spirit situation we have going on as human beings is that whenever you get stuck in one zone, you can go address problems in, you know, if you're stuck in some body problem, you can address it on the mind level. Or if you're stuck Mm, in some mind problem, you can address it on the body level. Now that makes me kind of wonder, what would you think, um, (laughs) what do you think some traits might be that would give somebody a higher success rate with a type of subtle energy work like biofield tuning, for example? Mm. My personal opinion would be people who have a lot of mutable signs in their chart because mutable signs are very, very sensitive. So the four mutable signs are going to be Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. I would also say individuals with Aquarius and especially Pisces because Aquarius has a very sensitive nervous system. And Pisces is very receptive in general. Like a lot of people say Pisces don't have a lot of boundaries. It's due to the Neptune influence. But really, I would say those would be the top ones in my personal opinion. Very cool. So mutable signs. Yeah, I've noticed my mutable uh, friends and family, they kind of want you to make decisions. Like you you tell us what we're doing. (laughs) I'm cool with anything. Yeah. I can definitely testify to that as a Sagittarius. And this is, I think, a good uh, place to kind of get into hemisphere dominance as well. Um, So I'm going to reference a book for this. Individuals who have, I I know it kind of looks like the opposite here, right? But like if you're looking at someone's chart, typically, this is considered the Eastern Hemisphere. And this is considered the West, even though this is on the right and this is on the left. It's just kind of how it's said in astrology. Um, but individuals who have more placements on the Western Hemisphere as a whole tend to be more receptive to their environment, whereas individuals with more over here are more direct and they're more willing to go and like put their imprint on what's going on around them. 
So from personal experience, I'm way more over in the Western and tend to be very receptive to other people's feelings. Um, probably that Pisces energy as well. But I can definitely say like this from what I've seen in people's charts, it's played a huge role as well. That's cool. I'd love to get into how epigenetics has inspired the way that mm -hmm. you approach this work as well. And, you know, feel free to really expand on that. Don't have to pass the talking stick back quick or anything, because uh, I think this connection is really important. And what I'll preface this with is one of the problems I see with astrology in like pop astrology, if you will, or streamers <laughs> talking about the current astro weather, et cetera, is there's often, um, you know, at least in a one-on-one -on -one sense, when you talk about someone's chart with them, there's often kind of a looking away from or downplaying the, where the challenges are and kind of more focusing on the positive, which I like generally speaking, but what is, what is more helpful to get realistic <laughs> or yeah. to kind of gloss over, especially when it comes to someone's life and where their problems are. Cause remember what I opened with, you know, denial is the source of illness, but that being said, none of these things positive or negative have to be some kind of fatalistic uh, determination. So I'll, I'll pass it over to you. No, I definitely want to comment on that. Um, so I was actually reading someone's chart the other day, not even medically, just in general. And the person asked me like, well, do you ever see anything negative? And it's like, yeah, I do. And even though you might not want to come out with it right away, it is such an important part of the chart because like that awareness is key to everything. That's where the part of spirit comes in in the sun because you have this conscious awareness, you're more able to change it. So to uh, kind of get into the epigenetics, I have a few notes here on this. Um, so really to just define epigenetics, Merriam-Webster describes it as the study of heritable changes in gene function that do not involve changes in DNA sequence. So I kind of took that and put my own definition into epi-astrology when I coined the term. I wrote, epi-astrology is the study of alterations in the way that your astrological and cosmic patterns express without changes to those patterns. Now that goes for natal charts, that goes for synastry charts, that goes for composite, it goes for any type of astrology chart. And epigenetics, I think, is so empowering because like, you're realizing that, okay, even though I was born into this realm, with this information, with this code, I'm not like confined to it. Like, sure, I might have brown hair or brown eyes, but there's other things that can change. And if you know about Neville Goddard, people have even changed their eye colors. So we don't really know the limits of these things right now, right? A lot of it is faith and whatnot. I know about um, Neville Goddard, but I did not know about eye color shifting intentionally. Although I've seen it happen in people. <laughs> I have seen it happen in people based on mood. So I know it's a thing. Yeah, there's there's so much that we don't even know. but um, Anyways, like the genes, I like to see the stars in a similar way. They are your tendency, but they are not your destiny. And I uh, got this term from Red Mountain Natural Medicines guy. Um, I honestly forget his name, but he's a very smart guy. And he uh, came up with that, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, so in general, like knowing your astrology gives you a lot of power, in my opinion. And I'm all about power, like having a sun in Sag and a moon in Aquarius. I love my freedom. I love to feel like nothing's holding me back. So knowledge is power in the sense of astrology. You're becoming aware of your literal blueprint. And I would even go so far as to say that your genes are linked to your stars. Everything is linked to your stars. You know, as it is above, 
So it is below. That's how it is. So when you change something below, you're also changing the above. And when the transits are going on above, they're affecting the below. But what you do and with your knowledge, you're able to not be a prisoner to fate in that sense. So I just find this so empowering. You know, I don't know if it was really Hippocrates, but he's quoted as saying this. A physician without a knowledge of astrology has no right to call himself a physician. And I heard that one. I was like, ooh. You know, like that's crazy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's because that phrase, although it's been co-opted to in the modern time, mean somebody who is a pharmaceutical company sales rep and insurance flunky. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what the, that's kind of what the physician it means now. But that word physic is referring to the physical world, the natural world, like the mm -hmm. science of physics. So a physician would need to know about the ins and outs of the whole, the whole realm to be having any business calling themselves a physician rather than being kind of just specialized into like, I'm a foot doctor, I'm a cancer doctor or whatever. No, no hate out there to anyone that took that path, but we are kind of past the point of just blindly trusting it because of letters after somebody's name. Now I want to comment on, the idea of genetics too, that, well, I, I just don't know enough to be sold on the idea of DNA as described or genetics as described. I do think that there's obviously hereditary traits that pass forward. And I was thinking about this with my wife the other night, considering a family tree that she was uh, sort of conceiving in her mind that also included astrological information on it for the members on the family tree. And I had this vision in my mind of a circle that is a, a zodiac chart. And then it had like a generation in it. Say maybe you and your siblings or you and your, your partner. And then the next ring out, a bigger ring was the parents and the aunts and the uncles. And then mm -hmm. a ring further out is the, the grandparents. And just imagining further and further larger rings, like the rings of a tree. But each of those rings is a zodiacal chart of like maybe, a, uh, you know, combining all of the, do you think you might call that sinistry <laughs> or combining all of the other, yeah. they're like the, the members of that generation's planets in their locations on a giant wheel getting bigger and bigger. And so the further back you went, you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't necessarily know the story of the 10th great grandfather, but imagine how big that circle is that many rings out you know, compared to your circle. To me, so if, you're, cool. if you're following like everybody out there, that is the relationship between your conscious mind and your unconscious or your genetic, you could say your genetic potential versus what you're currently expressing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that farther back you go, those ancestors, the, the unconscious, it's huge. It's so much bigger than what you're currently aware of. And yeah. So what just, I, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's why it's so massively, you know, relevant to maybe start being more mindful of holding on to knowledge about our our family members and ancestry going forward, because most of us can't think further back than a few generations. And there's a that's a big question mark, a big unknown for something that influences us so hugely. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like your astrology actually shows your your parents' patterns to a certain extent, you know, because you look at Saturn. And Capricorn, you can kind of see your dad and you can look at your mom, see like, you know, your moon, kind of like cancer, all that. But um, something I wanted to touch on is you're talking a lot about like the unconscious and the subconscious. To a certain extent, I feel like 
astrology is your subconscious. Maybe not fully. I know that sounds very broad, but it's like that is quite literally your makeup on a cosmic level. So what you're doing with that, like it's kind of the source in you that has the ability to overcome that because all of this is just your written patterns. You're born in with that. So that reminds me a lot of the subconscious. And ancestors do show up in uh, the tunings as well. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I think it would be good to, you know, we've we've opened up on the idea of epigenetics, how the expression that our body might have hereditary tendencies towards can still be shifted based on our consciousness, our will, our environment, our experiences. Now, how does that apply more fully to in an actionable sense to traits in our chart? Um, so could you just elaborate slightly? So um, you're talking about just like an example of how this can show up in general, like in any area or maybe like rather than a one interpretation and done type of way of looking at your chart. How do you help people see the range of possibilities that a placement has rather than just, this is what it is. So really a lot of it comes with exploration of the person's desires. And I just, I have to give Neville a shout out here because it's just, it's such a big part of all of this. Um, so the power of imagination by Neville Goddard, highly recommend this book, like highly. Um, it, this book goes into a lot of detail about like your desires themselves and like basically the fact that they can happen. So when I talk to someone, I want to know what they want. Like I'm not asking them that because I need to see it in their chart. Like it's more so like, how am I going to help you here? Like, what are you actually looking to gain? So figuring out what the person wants to me is a huge way to get started. And then Once you kind of have an idea of what they're looking to gain from the reading, what they're going for, you can see the different areas. So like their sun is their consciousness. The sun is huge. I mean, we never want to neglect the sun in any reading, whether it's medical, astrology, love readings, whatever. It's basically the life force itself and the consciousness. And with that, as well as the part of spirit, you have the ability to make these conscious changes very heavily. So I'll just I'll take you your sun in Aries, right? So Sun and Aries is very, very motivated by physical work, going after things like what it is that they are like drawn to do. I mean, Aries is considered the ego as well, um, but it's not it's not just that. It's also the brain like Aries likes, you know, intellectual things to an extent. It's cardinal fire. Once you go get started, whatever it likes, it's going to go after it. So I like to talk about fueling your sun. Um having an idea of what it is that you really want and what's going to make you happy in life, you can see a lot of that in the sun. So that's one area I always like to work in. Um, And then the moon, I'm going to touch on the moon and Saturn. The moon is kind of like your inner patterns as well as, you know, the part of fortune. We kind of like touch on that too. Um, This is like your instinctual self. So like for me, it's Aquarius. I literally can burst into tears just at the thought of saving the world and helping the world because Aquarius is all about like helping the community at large and your friends. And I always get mad emotional over my friends. And it's just like, that's my moon, you know? So you have to kind of care for your moon too. Um, and having an awareness of the different aspect, you know, whether there's a square to your moon, whether there's, um, you know, a trend, whatever it is, we want to take a look at these patterns and then see what we can do with them. Lastly, um, at least for this part of the conversation, I want to talk about Saturn because, Saturn is a lot of times he gets the name of Satan, you know, in medical astrology. <laughs> so um, 
I mean, I, I have nothing against Saturn in the sense of like he plays his role here. But at the same time, Saturn is responsible for a lot of health issues, a lot of frustrations, delays, all kinds of stuff. So looking at Saturn is that part that you mentioned earlier about, you know, tapping into that part that can be tough, that part that they might not want to hear about. Being aware of Saturn is being aware of your limitations and having an awareness of your limitations. And, you know, what Saturn's touching, what it's aspecting gives you a lot more insight into what you can actually do to remove those limitations. So I I think those are really some major, majorly important points to look at. (laughs) I just challenge anybody to exist for a day without Saturn. (laughs) Good luck. It happened to me once. All the insides came outside. Nothing had a container anymore. It was all squishy and wobbly and it was a tough day i mean it was interesting yeah. but I, by the end i was i was asking for everything to get but put back where it belonged it's like a very <laughs> weird spontaneous samadhi type experience i wanted to shout out the neville goddard goddard reference because yeah it's occurring to me how interesting it is that exactly a year ago like on a dot i was at the music and sky festival that's going on right now this weekend and a listener and friend brandon gave me a Neville Goddard book that I, and I had never Ooh. read him before. So here it is coming up again. Maybe it's time for me to crack open another, a second uh, work by him. I really enjoyed the first one. Wow. Um, funny. What a synchronicity it is that that is uh, coming through strong today of all days. Very cool. Absolutely. And um, another book I want to reference, like similar to Neville is the Joseph Murphy book, the power of your subconscious mind. This is like five bucks on Amazon and the amount of, power that you can receive just from reading this is it's just insane so i saw um in the comments the zodiac and the salt of salvation was just brought up i have that around here somewhere yep ah my book i'm not the most organized but here we go (laughs) this is a real keeper um and when we get into cell salts this is a major book i want to reference because they are intimately tied to everything medical astrology Mm. So we've talked about sun and moon in relation to our needs and a little bit about Saturn, but maybe let's talk about some of the other planets and how their needs might correspond also based on where they're at housewise. You know, like my son, I'm, I'm trying to pull up my chart to use myself as an example, but, you know, I'm pretty sure my Saturn is in Capricorn. It's a generational okay. thing. And I did have a uh probably the worst injury of my life did occur to my knee when i was in high school so it's kind of interesting capricorn in the knees again back to that whole chestnut and at that age i had serious authority problems <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it's funny you mentioned that because my saturn's in aries and half of my problems have to do with the adrenals and being so stressed and nervous all the time so i mean really looking at your saturn placement is so key to figuring out your health so what about the ascendant, for example? What can that tell us in terms of where it's at? Because that's going to be right at the first house. It's going to be, if I had to guess, maybe things more pertaining to identity. But what what else can we learn health-wise about where the ascendant is at? So I'm glad you brought up the ascendant because I feel like I definitely haven't spoken on it enough yet. Um, so Melissa Sell taught me this. You know, Melissa Sell, she does the German New Medicine. I love her. I also met her at Music and Sky last year. That was the first time meeting her. So there you go. She's 
Awesome. Um, so she taught me about German new medicine. Clap your hands. And it would be cool if everybody watching this could do this right now. Clap your hands and see which hand's on top. So figuring out which hand is on top. So like naturally you might go like this, but there's always, if you kind of cup them, one will end up on top. Usually. Yeah. So which one is it for you, Chan? Well, I'm not sure I fully understand it. When I did it like this, my... <laughs> My fingers, uh, fingers of my left hand kind of wanted to come over, but yeah, the left wants to be, I think, more on top than the right for me. Same here. So, from if I'm correct in what I learned, um, you know, in terms of the German new medicine with this, the hand that's leading the clap is going to be your dominant hand. So that's the side, you know, how like the hemispheres kind of cross wire with the side of the body that they um, rule. So that makes you and I more right brain. So if you're more right-brained, in my personal opinion, you want to look more at the part of fortune to describe the body. If your right's on top, you want to look more at the ascendant. Not to say that they're both important, because obviously, you know, the dualities do merge and our feminine and masculine both do play a role. But when you are looking at the ascendant and the part of fortune, they're giving you an idea of, like, your body itself. Okay, so I'm pretty sure you said you have a Leo rising, right? Yeah, that's correct. So Leo risings may have something to their appearance or physical body that is specifically linked to the parts of the body ruled by Leo. So for you, you might come off as someone so warm and so generous with a great heart, or you might have a really big or strong back or a back that's significant in some way. So for me, it's Taurus, um, my ascendant. So like my collarbone's always been kind of prominent. So that's, you know, Taurus area, the neck is Taurus. And then, um, if we look at both of our part of fortunes, I think yours is an Aquarius. So this is going to be even more vital for us, being that we are more right brain dominant. Because um, I think I like to look at the ascendant as more masculine in some sense, and the part of fortune is more like the inner feminine part. So um, for you, that would be like your shins, your calves, your circulation might stand out in some way. So the heart of fortune is the other side of the Zodiac from the Ascendant? It's like the across from um, No, so that's the Descendant. That's like, okay. I can see how that is like really important as well. Um, and that kind of speaks to relationships being that it's sitting on the seventh house. But for me, I've always found the part of fortune to be very significant when it comes to the physical body, just like the Ascendant. Um, and the reason I brought the clap test in is because based on the the part of your brain that you're more dominant in, you'd want to look more at either the ascendant or the part. So can you explain to us, because I actually don't know how to find the heart of fortune. Can you explain to us what that is exactly? Yeah. So the part of fortune, also known as the lot of fortune, can be calculated online. Um, I like to use, I think it's horoscope, astroseek or something like that. They're just going to ask for your birth details. And as long as you know your time of birth, you can figure out both your ascendant and your lot or part of fortune. Well, if you were correct in remembering mine to have to do with Aquarius, I don't know. But I've always had huge, like disproportionately big uh, ankles. (laughs) That would explain it 100 percent. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. So those two aspects will have a lot to the ascendant and the heart of part of fortune. I was calling it heart of fortune, but it's part of fortune going to they're going to have a lot to do with our appearance. That's pretty cool. Well, at this point, I think it would be good for us to have you talk about, I mean, there's more things we can discuss in terms of where certain planets and and how they can uh, 
speak to our health problems, but I think it'd be best actually to start getting into you describing what your work is like with clients and what coming to you for this type of coaching would be like and what you offer. Absolutely. So um, I have two main offerings on my site. The first one is just a regular, I call it just coaching call. And that right now goes for 75. And to get into what it is, it kind of covers almost everything um, in terms of like the medical astrology, um, like your mental health, your life in general. And then the other reading is specifically for love. So this is like, if you want to look at your compatibility with somebody, you want to look at the energies between the two of you and that goes for 45. Um, But to really focus here specifically on the main coaching call, um, what I would do with someone is first, you know, sometimes like if they want to give me their birth details ahead of time, they can, if not, that's okay too. We both pull their chart up and what we're looking for specifically is just areas that they are either struggling or looking to gain something, improve in, et cetera. So, you know, like we said several times, Saturn's always a big part to look at and all these other areas that we've mentioned. I want to, when I look at someone's chart, I'm looking for a few main things. I'm looking specifically for which cell salts they might be deficient in because these are huge for health and healing in the physical body. I'm looking for specific tough points that we can work on. And I'm also looking just for things that generally stand out. Like if someone has like a huge cluster of planets in like one sign called a stellium, that's huge. That's going to be a major area of importance to that person. So really what I do is very open-minded. Like a lot of times I feel like people are saying, well, what is it that you actually do? And it's kind of like, it's all up to you. You know, like, what are you looking to gain? Like if someone's looking to improve their health, we read the chart, we see which cell salts they're deficient in. We see which areas might be weak. We feed their sun. And I want to touch on that real quick. Um, Feeding the sun. I know I kind of mentioned it already. This is vital for anyone's health. You need to do things that feed your sun constantly. Say you're a Libra. Partnerships are going to literally fuel you. Like they're going to make you feel alive. trying to think of another one Sagittarius that's me so would that apply to like even business partnerships friendships not just love oh 100 percent. Libra is all partnerships also has to do with justice um general socializing being that it's air um even being out in the air you know all the air signs benefit from fresh air whereas like you know a Cancer Pisces or Scorpio would benefit hugely in their health literally just from immersion in a body of water or taking a nice bath every now and then so how does the house that the sun is in influence what you might do best feeding it, for example? Um, so the houses are really key. I like that you mentioned the houses. Um, they basically show the area that that energy is going to be the most significant for you. So someone, let's think. Well, I can use myself as an example as a okay. talk about an airy sun in the ninth house. <laughs> okay. Explains my job. No, literally. Um, so Aries is a self-starter. You're a self-starter in the area of spirituality and higher education. Like, boom, that's literally you. It's crazy. So Yeah. So higher learning philosophy and like deep thought has to do with uh, the ninth house, right? Philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't literally. feel alive if I don't have a way to uh, pursue those particular things on a daily basis. But then the, the general attributes of Aries would apply too. I need physical exertion on a daily basis or i don't feel a lot awake like consciousness the sun is consciousness i if i don't get some kind of physical exertion in in the day i feel 
low consciousness, low attention span, low energy. And I can turn, I mean, this is true for anybody with exercise. That is a fact. But if I'm starting to drag in the day and I just, it, I actually gain energy by, by spending it rather than needing to yeah. like a nap or something. I can relate so much as another fire sign. Like we as fire signs need movement. We need sun. We need just some type of like fiery energy. Like my family is a wood stove and like, it literally makes me feel alive just to like start the fire up. Like any type of energy with fire in general, like it just enlivens you. So really working with your element in some way or another is so key. Um, I saw someone just ask my thoughts on Ophiuchus. Oh, is that a loaded question? <laughs> what are your thoughts on Ophiuchus? Well, I don't think that there's no value to it in terms of astrology. I think the language you choose to speak, if you stick with that language and you are and you get well-versed with it, you can take things out of it. So, you know, 13 sign astrology, no, no hate on that. But in terms of the naturalness of uh, a circle divided into 12 parts versus 13, it's pretty hard to divide a circle into 13 parts, but it's pretty easy to divide it into 12. So for me, Ophiuchus's highest value comes in the realm of astrotheology as that constellation plays the role of many mythological characters, religious stories, et cetera. It's a big deal in that sense but for me in astrology i don't uh pk says i threw us off well how dare you (laughs) (laughs) well that is a loaded question so i guess we should ask really it's about your thoughts not mine but you kicked it back to me what do you think about yeah um i agree with you i think like I'll say I personally use tropical astrology the most just because, like you said, it's it's very like easy to work with. Everything like has its place and, it's you know, you can bring the science in with the art. But like it's, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I didn't see Ophiuchus themes. I mean, I would be an Ophiuchus. So I've looked into it pretty heavily, actually. I was born on December 14th. So that's like right between that Scorpio Sagittarius energy. Um, I don't know. I think. I think ultimately, like, Ophiuchus speaks to the power to transcend. It speaks to alchemy, in a sense. So it's like, we all have that inside of us anyway. So I try not to get too caught up on Ophiuchus at this point. I've been back and forth so many times with it. Um, I will say there's occasional times when I'll dive into Vedic astrology, but not much. I really only use it when I'm choosing crystals for someone, just to kind of make sure, like, okay, like, are these going to in any way bring negative energy to this person? And as long as the Vedic placements are okay then we're usually all right with that but interesting that that question came up and you would fall into ophiuchus if Mm -hmm. it was part of what you considered so yeah so you have thought about it deeply there's probably more thoughts in there on it but this is a good time to ask you about some case study examples of Mm. how medical astrology your work with clients or your work you know, on yourself using this stuff, how this is uh, played out in behavioral shifts or manifestations or what or health shifts, whatever you might want to uh, talk to us about. So, yeah, some cl- some examples would be great for encouraging people to look into this more deeply or maybe come to you for some coaching. No, 100 percent. I love that you asked for real life examples because this is kind of where it gets, you know, more intense. Like, OK, how is this actually going to help someone? Um, so I, I do want to speak on myself first, just because I have the most experience with that. Um, and I've studied my own chart, probably the most out of anyone. So throughout my life, I dealt with a condition called dysautonomia. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but 
basically it kind of affects your circulation. So I've always kind of wondered, all right, like where did this come from? Then I got into astrology and it was immediately apparent. I have a sun in Sagittarius, which rules the autonomic nervous system, which is exactly what this autonomy is linked to. And that is being squared by Saturn. Square is a tough aspect. So there's one. Then I have a moon in Aquarius that is also in conjunction with Uranus in Aquarius. And Uranus rules Aquarius on top of that. Where this is all significant is that Aquarius is the sign of circulation. So literally, all of this is right in the chart. And people who have dysautonomia a lot of times need salt. How ironic that the cell salt for Aquarius is sodium chloride. It's all there in the stars. Um, so that's, that's just me. And it gets worse when I go through emotional stress because it's my meaning. You're always, and I know uh, Santos Bonacci spoke on this or it's on his website. I'm not sure. But like he says, when you go through emotional stress, you're going to use up more of your moon and your South node. And I have found that to be very true. Um, I have just more in general, um, deficiencies in my moon and South node when I'm stressing or when I'm going through a tough spot. So that's one example. Um, so you're have, using the uh, cell salts to apply to your moon and south node in in particular. Um, yes, specifically, but you can use them for anything. I mean, like your sun sign is always going to be key when it comes to the cell salts. Um, your ascendant, your part of fortune, as I like to talk about. So, like, really, no matter where you're struggling in your chart, even your Saturn, I think, is a huge part. But um, yeah, I have I honestly have plenty of case studies. We could be here a long time, but I want to talk on a specific example here that I, I found to be very interesting. Um, so I know someone who's a cancer, and the cell salt for cancer is calcium fluoride. And in case anyone listening isn't 100% certain, this is not sodium fluoride. That's a toxin. We don't want to, we don't want to mess with that. Calcium fluoride is okay. It's completely different. It's one of the 12 cell salts. Um, so this individual, like, she's a mother. She's always burning through her cancer salt because cancer is a sign of the mother, the moon. Um, so she also doesn't rest enough. So this person's constantly burning through their sun sign. And then they started to experience a lot of cancer, calcium fluoride, cell salt deficiencies. Um, there was, like, varicose veins. There was, um, at one point, she thought her womb was falling, like a prolapse. Turned out she was okay, thankfully. Um, but the main thing was she started to experience issues with her teeth and, you know, calcium fluoride is vital to the teeth and the enamel. So I looked at her chart and I also saw that she had the moon conjuncting Saturn, both in the sign of Taurus. Taurus deals with the lower teeth and Saturn kind of deals with the teeth in general and the moon rules absorption. So when Saturn's conjuncting the moon, there might be trouble with absorption of certain minerals. So... Basically, she was dealing with these weakened teeth and these issues with the enamel. So I instructed her to take some calcium fluoride. And she took a combination of, I believe it's Atma Life, um, the Santos's brand that he recommends. And then I really like Jackson's Naturals. I know Bear Landos um, sells them through Alphavedic as well. Are you familiar with them? Oh, yeah, I know Bear and Mike. Yeah, I mean, that's mu- Music and Sky Festival that I just brought up. That's their jam. Oh, it's their festival. oh okay. Okay, yeah. I didn't even know the connection. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, I do. I know them, and I didn't know that Bear had cell salts on their Alphavedic site. I actually wanted to know where you recommended people procure those because I don't have a source that I prefer right now. Actually, I'm not supplementing them, and uh, I'm going to want to <laughs> maybe strategize with you in my own one-on-one about cell salts for myself. 100%. Very cool. 
Yeah, I would love to work with you. Um, so yeah, the Jackson's Naturals versions and the Animal Life I recommended to her. And I also said to her, could you, you know, start introducing some of the foods rich in this salt? And I can also recommend, I think I have a link here um, for the, the food list, which is vital, especially if someone's like, I don't even want to buy the salt salts, just tell me the foods. That's another way. Okay, so, so you can just look for foods that have that mm-hmm. cell salt. That's a that makes a lot of sense. Some people don't want to supplement; they want to get it all through food. That's good. Absolutely. Um, so, anyways, with a combination of you know taking the salt, eating the foods, and resting her vital force more, and doing things that fuel her son, she was able to start healing her teeth. And it's just incredible to watch because a lot of times you're told in the medical industry you can't repair teeth unless you you know go get dental work done this person's teeth are literally regenerating. So it's just incredible to say. See, that is a huge example. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's like a home run example of medical astrology. So yeah. it's not just about the medical astrology, um, knowing what could be wrong, but it's that astrology can teach us how to correct it through the 12 cell salts, which probably a lot of people in the audience already know what the cell salts are, but in case anybody out there, we've kind of gone over their head with that and they're wondering what we're talking about. Can you introduce that conceptually uh, more thoroughly sure. for us? Cause I, I have a tendency to just let us go right into the deep end, but it's good to back up and fully elaborate on what we're talking about. Absolutely. So this is where the Zodiac and the Salts of Salvation book comes in. If someone wants to understand these a bit more, I recommend this book as well as, homeopathic cell salt remedies and i would give my own definition as well basically they are the 12 inorganic mineral compounds that make up the human body so if you were to burn the body to ash after someone passed away this is what you would find remaining are these 12 salts so they're like the little workers of the body you only need minuscule amounts but without them the body does not function and you know there's a lot of things that can come specifically just from cell salt deficiencies that's cool. And, you know, I've I've uh, seen other instances of teeth regeneration. It seems like a long shot based on how thoroughly we're programmed that that doesn't happen. But imagine what kind of signal it is to to the body that, oh, yeah, that's broke forever. That can never be fixed. Yeah, <laughs> it probably has a lot to do with whether or not that's the case. But I, I do know somebody who regenerated their teeth. Uh, actually, it's a really old episode of Interverse way years back. A friend of mine and his wife made this cool tooth soap uh, instead of, you know, nasty toothpaste you can get at the store. And it was mostly essential oils that I think were the, the big healer for them. But there's, okay. there's ways to do it. There's definitely ways to do it. So I'm glad we got into cell salts a little more. Um, can can you hit us with uh, another example? Because I know you had so many of uh, how somebody was helped through this medical astrology process. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I know another person who's an Aquarius son. And this person from time to time deals with cold sores, you know, like the little fever blister type things. That's an Aquarian thing, actually. Um, and they tend to get worse and kind of pop out when the individual is dealing with um, stress or like general stress, not even emotional, just because there's a distinguished um, part between, you know, emotional stress, that's the moon, general stress is the sun. So if this person doesn't rest enough and take the time to fuel their sun sign by doing Aquarian things, they get cold sores. So 
when this person rests more and takes the cell salt sodium chloride, the cold sores go away. And those things can be annoying. So um, the same individual also struggles from time to time with sun poisoning, which also can be from a deficiency in the aquarium salt. So again, taking that aquarium salt, eating those aquarium cell salt foods can be huge. And, and this person experiences, you know, those things improving as soon as they do those things. So. Beautiful. And they're talking about in the chat how pearl powder can help the enamel oh and gums regenerate. That's insane. This person uses pearl powder. That's so ironic. Yep. Right on point. Well, that is so on point because in the doctrine of signatures, what is more tooth looking than a pearl? Like there's an, yeah. they call them your pearly whites. <laughs> mm, exactly. And, um, you know, just to speak on something that maybe could help someone, I personally use calcium carbonate only to brush my teeth. I don't even use toothpaste. I literally just use calcium carbonate powder and it's the only thing that whitens my teeth naturally. Very cool. You know, since we're on the subject, I I like this toothpaste from a brand Dr. Ginger, I think it is, or Dr. Ginger's. It is, uh, it is coconut oil-based toothpaste. So I just leave it in my mouth to do an oil pull after I'm done with the brushing part. And it's, so it's coconut oil and uh, well, activated charcoal, but it's white charcoal. So there's your carbon element, but it's not the black charcoal. So it doesn't like stain yeah. everything or leave your mouth black. It's white activated charcoal. That seems to do the trick for me. My, I haven't needed any kind of dental attention for a long time. So Love that. that's great. Now, where we're at in the show, we only have maybe a time to get into a little bit more. So is there anything that you want to take us into for the, um, you know, the last segment of the free hour before, you know, next, the next hour, we'll definitely go deep into the crystal question that yeah. <laughs> that could carry us a long way. Um, so let me, I'm just going to check my notes real briefly. Um, I do want to say if anybody out there is dealing with dry skin, check your chart for air sign. Um, Gemini, Aquarius, and Libra. I knew someone with literally air sun, air moon, and air rising. I felt bad. This person's skin was so dry. They just needed more oily, earthy stuff. Um, so really knowing your tendencies can be huge. I'm trying to think what else here. Um, Libras, if you deal with kidney stones, Libra rules the kidneys. Um, I mean, obviously, like they might not, you might not know what hard aspects to look for, but that could be why you're dealing with kidney stones. Um, let's see. Scorpios have a greater need to detox. I have I have so many different examples here, but I'm just trying to sum it up a little bit. Um, Scorpio, oh, no, that's a good one to go into for okay. sure. Like maybe just expand on that one in particular, because I think that is <laughs> Scorpio is most noticeable, maybe of any of the signs when they're kind of in their toxicity range. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. I have a Venus in Scorpio, so I'm all aware. <laughs> but yeah, Scorpio definitely. In my opinion, Scorpio has the greatest regenerative power out of any of the signs. I mean, yeah, you might seem like you're really down and out, but you can come back just as hard. So shout out to the Scorpios. Um, but Scorpio tends to need support with detoxing more than the other signs. So really, distilled water, in my personal opinion, um, fruit in the diet, fasting when possible. I mean, there's so many different things that Scorpios can do to help themselves, but really, like, it's that link to Pluto, you know, Pluto has to do with like the underworld, you know, like the depth of things. Um, my son is even in the eighth house and I experience a lot of like, cause the eighth house is linked to Scorpio. I experience a lot of those um, 
Plutonian theme throughout my life. Oh so yeah, another- I, get, I get that. My my Venus and my Mercury are eighth house. So okay. I get. I like to talk about the deep taboo <laughs> subjects. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, definitely. Uh, it further supports the sun in the ninth house with philosophy. You know, I'm like it. It's so interesting. The more I learn about astrology and I look at my chart and I'm like, no wonder I love my life. I'm doing what I was made to do. <laughs> no, exactly. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I mean, another thing Scorpios can do is just take their cell salt, calcium sulfate. OK, so a good question maybe for people who want to look at their own chart and see what they can maybe figure out that would be helpful is. Can we talk about the houses that are considered the houses of health and, you know, how to read that? Absolutely. Um, So the houses of health are the sixth, the eighth and the twelfth. So we want to look at a chart basically and see what's really going on in there. Um, Ironically, some people say if Saturn's in one of the tougher houses, it's actually good rather than making things worse. Interesting. But what you want to really look for is just like, do I have a sun there? Do I have a moon there? Or do I have what's called a stellium there? That's the cluster of planets we talked about. So if you do have something going on in the house of health, you want to look for the sign that's ruling the house. So to tell the signs ruling the house, it's going to be on the side closer to like where the, the house starts. So, you know, your ascendant starts here, right? So let's just use mine for an example. That's Taurus. Um, so then you go right here, let's say that, uh, we're like going all the way around and then right here in the sixth house, I think it would be Libra ruling that. So you want to take the Libra salt to support the sixth house. If you have a lot going on in there, same would be true with the eighth or the 12th, just incorp- um, increasing the foods or the cell salts themselves that are linked to the sign on those tough houses can be a majorly helpful way to offset some of those health issues. So what what was the where I guess this is something people could probably just Google about cell salts in food mm-hmm. and they'll find good resources on that. Or you mentioned a specific resource on that. Yes. Yeah, so this is the one that I personally found to be the most accurate just from the way I feel and like helping people. Um, you can type in mineral balancing with cell salts hair test expert and the website should be htmaexperts.com slash something. But if you just type in the words that I said in Google, you should be able to find it. I personally like that the best. Okay, cool. Now I'm looking at my chart in this conversation and I'm realizing mm-hmm. I've got sixth house, which we mentioned as being one of the houses of health with uh, Saturn and Neptune in it right there okay. in sixth house in Capricorn. So that can also make you very disciplined when it comes to your health. And I could see you being that way. Um, Neptune can kind of, it's like has a diffusing influence, kind of, kind of weakens some boundaries. So you might be more prone to like issues with, you know, maybe allergies or EMF poisoning, stuff like that. That's where Neptune's domain kind of comes in. Mm. But in general, you know, as long as you're supporting your Capricorn energy, that would be calcium phosphate. You should be okay. Take extra care of your knees, you know. That's cool. I It's so interesting because... I had allergy problems most of my life. Wow. And then my, com- like, as I re- removed a bunch of foods from my diet and that helped the allergy problems. But then I found out that the main reason for the allergy problems was suppressing my irritation through that uh, was being generated in my life through my boundary problems. 
leap removing people pleaser boundary problems. So once I sort of kicked all of the irritants out of my life and was living in a way where I wanted authentically wanted to do what I was doing at all times, I no longer had the food intolerances, particularly to dairy that were giving me all those allergies. But it's interesting that the Neptune in that house could, you know, Capricorn us with boundaries could kind of demonstrate the solution to the problem being the boundaries issue that the problem allergies, Neptune, Saturn boundaries. Very cool. Super interesting. I love that example. So we're going to take our intermission in a moment and go over to the Rockman and Patreon side. And we've saved a really juicy conversation about crystals and how crystals come into play with this. I'm very excited about that. I got some of my favorites behind me on the table. Before we do that, let's remind people where they can find your website and leave them with whatever closing thoughts you'd like to for the first hour. Yeah, absolutely. My website is epiastrology.com. So that's just the letters E-P-I, astrology.com. I don't have any social media, so the best way to reach me is through there. And what I would leave you guys with for the first part of this call or uh, podcast really is just know that you're not bound by your astrology. Yes, you can learn so much through it, but that's your tendency. You're not literally, you know, committed to that. Like, fate is only... Fate, if you let it be fate, you can do whatever you want. You're God. Love it. Yeah, you're, I I think that's one of the most damaging mentalities anybody could ever take on is the fate thing. Yep. (laughs) And a lot of times they transfer that over and be like, God's will. And, but they're still saying fate. But I think when you really look at the, the direction and the flow of life in this realm, God's will is evidently for life to flourish and expand, not to be broken, not to be dysfunctional. That's our own free will <laughs> that leads us. Yes, into exactly. Beautifully said. So we'll, we'll head over to our uh, second part and thank you so much uh, for being here. It's been a fun conversation and looking forward to continuing on the other side after this brief intermission Take and care. some music. See you guys. Thanks. 